Let me show you Africa as an entrepreneur. Africa is a fundamental part of the global economy. There are people building businesses in Africa, continental businesses that are huge businesses. So it's a vibrant, young market with lots of energy, talent, and skills. What can I do? What role can I play? What is my purpose? When we put our faith and our trust in God, He's the master strategist and always directs our path. God went after the very thing that could become a mammon stronghold in my life. He said He wants that. And every time it gets too difficult, I basically say, you are the one, this is your business, God. You will get the glory. There's the way the world does business and there's the way we do business. So come, come see that Africa. The size of our continent, along with our diverse cultures, provide us with rich insights into God and His creativity. We are excited to highlight the many influential voices of innovators and entrepreneurs across Africa. We will also feature some entrepreneurs from around the world who we think have important things to say, no matter where we call home. These are the stories of how businesses flourish and how his call to create continues to this day. Come for the content. Stay for the community. Welcome to Faith Driven Entrepreneur. Greetings to everybody in the Faith Driven Entrepreneur audience. Uh, we are reaching you from our worldwide studios here across the world in Africa, in the UK, in the United States, and celebrating the launch of a new initiative that we're super excited about. At Faith Driven Entrepreneur, we've been ministering and trying to encourage faith driven entrepreneurs globally for the last four years. And we'll talk a little bit about that origin story here in just a second. But one of the things that became really clear to us is that we had an increasing number of participants in our blogs, in our podcasts, in our conferences, and very much in our groups from Africa, just about every country in Africa, even the ones that speak French. And so we thought, what would it look like for us to go ahead and have a show just for faith-driven entrepreneurs in Africa, guests from Africa, a co-host from Africa, and how do we celebrate what God is doing in a way that it might be an encouragement, not just to people in Africa, but people listening from all over the world that want to see what God is doing in Africa. So I have the incredible pleasure and honor privilege of being joined by Ndidi Nwaneli, who is here and is from Nigeria, is really a global citizen. She's all over the place, but has a deep, deep love for Africa. And as I've gotten to know her and her husband, Meswell, we thought, gosh, there's no better voice for us to have on this show to be able to lead us through the stories of what God is doing on the continent than in Diddy. And Diddy, welcome. Thank you so much, Henry. This is so exciting. And I'm honored, honored to join you on this voyage. Yeah, well, we're honored that you join us. We also have been joined for this special edition by Ruben Coulter. Ruben is our Director of International Strategy, and he's in from Bristol, England, Bristol in the United Kingdom. And Ruben, thank you for joining us, number one. And then just give us a little bit of a sense uh, for much of our audience that might think that we've been kind of a U.S.-based and U.S.-focused ministry, and yet the reality is something altogether different. And not only are we uh, trying to help encourage people through some of the programs that we've launched, but we do a lot of work through partners. I think that a lot of our audience probably doesn't get a perspective for that. Tell us a bit about what you do, please. Yeah, well, there's a huge transition taking place in the world. And it's exciting and it's daunting 
Um, and I think there's three big trends that we're seeing. The first is we're seeing a movement of energy from west to east and from north to south. So kind of where we saw these traditional economic powerhouses, that is diversifying. We live in a multipolar world, no longer in a unipolar world. And Africa is one of those places where the average age in Africa is 1920. It's a youthful continent. It's a fast-growing continent. The population will double to 2.5 billion people by 2050. And it's an innovative continent. The new ideas that are coming out in terms of music, in terms of films, in terms of technology, many of them are being birthed in Africa. The second trend we're seeing is this movement from uh, aids to investment. Of course, many people, when they think about Africa, they think about um, aid and they think about Bob Geldof or U2 and the work that they've done in terms of development. But actually, the story today is about one of investments, about a continent which is building its infrastructure, uh, developing its technology, investing in skills and training of its young people. Um, and I think the third shift we're seeing is from ministry to marketplace. And this is just the complete breaking down of the sacred secular divide. And in Africa, I think there's a real coherence of people wanting to bring their faith into their business and really seeing those values played out in how they serve people. And so we just want to give a voice to the leaders in this space, the people who've been pioneering, some of them for decades, and um, really changing the paradigm of where they are. And it's just super exciting and encouraging to be able to come alongside and listen and learn and to serve these brothers and sisters in Africa. Indeed. And one of the things that we're seeing, is, of course, is that there's this great movement that Gary has been working on for a while. And there's some fantastic organizations and ministries around the world, and then especially in Africa, that are focused on supporting the work of faith-driven entrepreneurs. And, and this is a key thing here. In the United States, and maybe in the West, we're known as a ministry because of our groups and our conferences. And yet, this is really a decentralized movement around a core and common DNA that are around the marks, the call to create the identity in Christ, faithfulness versus willfulness, etc. the 12 of them that you can find, of course, on our website. And we'll unpack that through our series. And yet there are other organizations that are signed up for that. And you oversee our work that brings together, what, 40 or 50 different ministries, including many, many in Africa. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing through organizations like Synapis. And you just got back from Egypt, I think. Absolutely. So, of course, Africa is incredibly diverse, uh, 54 countries, multiple languages and cultures. We realize that we can't possibly adapt to all of that diversity. And so we really believe in the power of partnerships. We have incredible partners in South Africa, organizations like Zuani, which is supporting Christian entrepreneurs all across Southern Africa and resourcing them. Triga, which is an accelerator again in South Africa, which is helping support and build the capacity of these entrepreneurs. Sinapis up in Kenya, Agora in Zambia. So there's just this incredible richness there. And we We've been coming together on a regular basis to learn from each other. Uh, so last week we had four days together and we brought together over 20 partners from uh, across the world to spend time understanding what's working. What's not working? How do we really support entrepreneurs to scale their businesses, to integrate their faith? And it's just incredible what we're seeing in Egypt, again, a country which has a relatively small Christian population, but they're just dynamic in how they're engaging in the marketplace and bringing and integrating their faith uh, with their business. 
Yeah. So I mentioned that I talked a little bit about the origin story, and I want to touch on that just briefly. It has something to do with Africa, but it's ultimately a European one. And then I want to introduce and bring it back to Ndidi. Fate-driven entrepreneur as this new movement, if you will, around this title and with bringing together these different organizations, many of whom had existed, to be clear, really started in earnest about four years ago when a number of us at Sovereign's Capital had set up a fund 10 years before to invest in Christian-led businesses around the world. But like any other venture capital or private equity fund, the principles of our fund wanted to invest in deals that we knew, industries and geographies and stages we knew. And so there's a young man who came in looking for investment capital. And he came in and said, I'd love for you to invest from Sovereign's Capital. And I said, okay, so tell us a little bit about your business. He said, well, it's a real estate business and it's in Moldova. And we thought, oh my goodness, we can't even calculate a cap rate. So we shouldn't invest in real estate. And we're not even sure that Moldova is a country. Fortunately, we didn't say that out loud. Of course, with news now, everybody knows more about Moldova. And yet, Moldova is a small country, and it didn't have much of a legacy of faith-driven entrepreneurship. And we realized that we had gotten into the business at Sovereign's Capital to be an encouragement to faith-driven entrepreneurs. And yet, we were saying no to a lot of really great men and women from around the world, and lots of them from Africa, that we just didn't understand the local economies. And yet, we saw a movement of God. And we saw how entrepreneurs were being these cultural change agents and picking their communities up and advancing them and creating redemptive products and services. And so we said, what does it look like for us, together with some of these other ministries, to band together and to create some of these consortiums and collaborations that you're talking about that just met in Egypt? Okay, so part of what we do in the movement is we do content and we do community. On the content side, blogs, conferences, and things like that, but especially the podcast. And the podcast has been, uh, through the grace of God, very popular. But we really want to make sure that when we looked at the content that was growing the fastest in our audience, we want to make sure we had a podcast for them. And so it's with Nindidi and her partnership that we're launching this, focusing on African men and women that God is using to redeem culture, to create redemptive products and services, to love their neighbor, their partner, their vendor, their customer, and their employee. And and Diddy, tell us more about that. And tell us about, as we get started, tell us about your passion for the continent that you're from. And one of the things that's really resonated with me is that your sense is that the rest of the world thinks something of Africa that's actually different than reality. Tell us a bit about that, please. Thank you so much, Henry. And thank you, Ruben. Ruben has taken so many of the words out of my mouth. And I just love to see people passionate about this continent. I think this is a great time to be African and a great time to change narratives about Africa. Just like Ruben underscored, not only are we the youngest continent on the face of the earth, but we're the fastest growing. Our population keeps growing day to day. Our economies are growing and there's so much innovation and technology on the continent that's just leapfrogging. I think the rest of the world can learn so much from what's going on in Africa. But what even gets me more excited is the faith movement on the African continent and seeing young people excited about faith, about reflecting Christ in their day-to-day activities, and about building kingdom businesses. And, you know, Henry, that nexus of what you've been doing in the United States and around the world has resonated so much with us on the African continent. I remember just last year, you know, engaging with my team as we watched, you know, the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Conference and we engaged in the 
you know, Faith-Driven Investor Conference and, you know, seeing those stories from the United States, from Africa, and the lessons that are transferable across the world. And so from where I sit, I think this is such a timely intervention. Africa has a lot to learn from faith-driven investors and entrepreneurs across the world, but the rest of the world has so much to learn from the African continent. The diversity from our 54 countries, the growth in entrepreneurial energy, the vibrancy, the innovation, but also the move of God and what God is doing in the hearts and minds of his people on the continent is just a source of inspiration, not just for me, but for so many entrepreneurs on the continent and will be a source of inspiration for entrepreneurs around the world. Indeed. Tell us a bit, we've had you on the podcast before, and so listeners may very well be familiar with your story, but give us a flyover again about where God has had you in the marketplace and then also a bit about your faith journey. Yeah, so I am a social entrepreneur uh, currently in the food and agriculture landscape through many hats I wear. Sahel Consulting, where I serve as executive chair, Ace Foods, which I'm co-founder of with Meizu, Nourishing Africa, which I founded two years ago, and then most recently, Changing Narratives Africa. And through these four organizations, we're transforming the food and agriculture landscape in Africa, but we're also ensuring that the rest of the world recognizes, appreciates, and embraces the best of what Africa has to offer. Africa is such a phenomenal contributor to the food ecosystem, and we want to change that narrative that when you think of Africa, you don't think of a hungry child, but you think of a dynamic female entrepreneur or a well-nourished child. And so we're getting African food on global shelves and we're shifting the dimensions and using food to build bridges. So that's one hat I wear. Another is that I'm a founder of Leap Africa. Leap Africa actually turns 20 this year. And Leap works in eight African countries, inspiring, empowering, and equipping the next generation of African leaders. Leap is such a phenomenal instrument of what God is doing on the continent with young people. It's training teachers to deliver curriculum around civics, ethics, leadership, social innovation. It's also supporting the next generation of social entrepreneurs through our uh, annual social innovators program where we select young dynamic social innovators from across the continent and help them scale. And it's really adding tremendous impact in the social movements, really raising awareness about the power we have as social change agents to define the futures we want in our countries. So that's one initiative I'm also involved in and very passionate about. And then beyond that, very involved in a whole range of initiatives around African philanthropy. Africans funding African ventures, Africans growing African ventures and investing in African ventures. So I have a very dynamic life <laughs> portfolio career is what we like to call it in this part of the world, but really been blessed with what God has allowed me to do. And I've been propelled by really a desire to die empty and to live a life that's pleasing unto God. And with each venture that he's allowed me to birth, it's really my role as a destiny helper to set up what he's called me to set up, to empower teams, to build strong organizations, to put in place systems and structures, and to recruit dynamic and committed board members who allow these ventures to continue to thrive. Um, so it's been a blessed journey. And I'm excited about what we're going to do together through this podcast. It's amazing. When you reached out to me, I said, you know, one of the things that God had been telling me for a while is that he wanted me to build bridges between Africa and the rest of the world. And this is just, you know, one of those many opportunities that God has opened up to ensure that we continue to build those bridges because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We can do so much more together rather than working in silos. 
And, you know, when you get to hear people's stories, you connect with them in ways unimaginable. You get to see them as humans first, as people who love God and who want to serve him. And it breaks down the biases that we have, the prejudice that we have, the distrust that exists. And it starts allowing us to co-create the future that God has ordained for us as his people on this earth. So I'm excited, Henry, about this journey that we're embarking on together. And I really know that people will be blessed through the stories they're going to hear, through the innovations that they're going to experience, and through the vulnerability and the humanity that we're going to see through the experiences of these great men and women of God who are living their faith on a daily basis and are succeeding in spite of all the odds. You mentioned two things there that are really related, and one is changing narratives, and the other one was, speaking of changing narratives, Africans investing in Africans, Africans giving to Africans. That might be a little different than a perception of some folks from the West that don't see that as much, and yet that is very prevalent. Talk a little bit more about what you see there. Yeah, so actually, most of the funding that Africans get are from Africa. In fact, a recent report from the British Pan Group said that of the $9 billion that was allocated to Africa from the United States, only 9% went to local organizations. So most of the funding that goes to Africa, quote unquote, actually doesn't end up in African organizations and ends up in international organizations, many of them in the U.S., and it never makes its way to the continent. The vast majority of funds available in Africa are from Africans, and it starts at the family unit. You know, it's quite unique, uh, but every single family member supports at least five other family members, not just with school fees and health insurance and healthcare bills, but also in terms of daily livelihoods. So this is a concept of I'm my brother's keeper, Ubuntu. I am because we are, and I can't climb alone. I can't achieve success when others in my family, my community are not successful. And so that's the most basic concept of philanthropy that we have, which is a giving culture. The second is during times of joy and sorrow, the whole community comes out to support you. I don't know if you've ever been to an African funeral. Um, It's something to behold. (laughs) You know, it's actually an amazing thing. The family spends next to nothing. Everybody comes out to support with gifts, with food. And it's amazing. Every single person married into the family, in my culture, Igbo culture, actually has to bring a cow or the equivalent of a cow. But those expenses are borne by the community. And it's also the same in times of joy. And so those community groups are really strong and very supportive of each other. And then the third level of giving is also in the faith community. We see this. You know, I recently looked at a giving study in Kenya alone, and it estimated how much people give to faith-based organizations. It rivals what we see in the United States. It's amazing. You know, so the amount of funding that people give to the church to engage in social, community and philanthropic activities is quite immense. And so that philosophy that Africans don't give, even at the most basic level, is flawed. Now, we're also seeing a movement around African philanthropy where high net worth individuals are establishing foundations, corporations are setting up corporate foundations, and they are funding nonprofits through the same process we have seen in the United States. And many countries are setting up the 501c3 equivalency, where you actually do get tax deductions based on the funds you provide to nonprofits. And so that's really bubbling up. And through my role as a board member of the African Philanthropy Forum, we're actually supporting the emergence of many more private, family, and corporate foundations on the continent. Okay, that's fascinating to me. I I care deeply about 
giving, giving is, uh, I walked through a couple of the marks of a faith driven entrepreneur at the outset, the call to create an identity in Christ. Uh, but one of them is joyful generosity. And that's one of the themes that I hope that comes across a lot in our podcast, which are men and women who God is giving success to, who are very, very vested in their community and are giving generously. You mentioned this comment that I may be mispronouncing, but I think you said it's Ubuntu. I am because we are. Can you talk a little bit more about that community aspect? Because that's one of the things that I've come to understand is so rich about Africa. And one of the many things that Africa has as a blessing to the world. What does that community membership look like more? Yeah, so on the continent, in most of our cultures, you are not a one-man island. You can't live in isolation, right? What affects you affects the community. When you mourn, the community mourns with you. When you celebrate, the community celebrates with you. But it's the whole concept of we rise together or we fall together. And I'm my brother's keeper and my sister's keeper. And that is so fundamental to the culture that we belong to. And you see that obviously in many, many communities across the continent. Obviously in urban areas with, you know, people moving into urban areas, leaving some of their community members behind, you're starting to see a lot more of the Western ideologies filtering in, but really at the core of who we are, an identity, our cultural identity, everybody belongs to a family and a community and has that responsibility that I am because we are. We are in this together. We do life together. And that is both a positive and negative though, Henry. And I want to underscore that because many people feel like, you know, I want to become like the American and be in isolation and get rich all by myself. You can't do that, right? You can't. You have that dependency and people depend on you and you depend on people. They hold you accountable. And for me, that's such a rich and beautiful aspect of our culture. I also wanted to mention, Henry, I just started a new initiative with a friend born out of the Faith Driven Investor Conference. That's called yeah. Wealth for Impact. It's my latest venture. <laughs> so I can't, I, point, I, I'm run out of paper to write these things down. It was basically from the Faith Driven Investor Conference, listening to many of the videos and the talks about how people have been very conscious about setting apart funds for God's work. Yeah. And so that was a blessing. I tell you the value of podcast, the value of storytelling is that it plants the seed in other people's hearts for what is possible and what God can do through them. Yeah. And God laid on my heart, wealth for impact. How do you ensure generational wealth transfer for impact and help family businesses on the African continent and people of color across the world consciously preserve wealth, steward the wealth that God has placed in their heart, but also ensure that it is used for impact and that that impact survives generations. So I want to take a quick segue here and just go back to the wealth for impact, because you had mentioned something about your story that I found really, really compelling. And I see a lot of people who have some level of wealth wrestling with, how do I think about giving that away. You hear about the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and this multi-generational type of impact. And undoubtedly, that type of multi-generational impact has given all sorts of different people different advantages. And maybe that's what you're getting at for Wealth for Impact. But you also said something that was really compelling to me about you want to empty yourself out at the end of your life and you want to have fully given yourself. How do you balance the two between as we tell these stories and we talk about the biblical message of generosity, how do we balance generous giving on one hand, but also this concept of being able to give future generations in Africa 
this advantage. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so I think everybody has at least three things they can give. Their time, their talents, and their treasure. And I believe that all of us are called by God to give those three. So my time, by the ventures I start, by those who I mentor, by the organizations that I've built, right? My talents is also coupled with, you know, visioning. When God places a new desire, burning desire to launch something, how do you launch it? Who do you launch it with? And how do you leverage all those talents? Now, the treasure is the one where we have to steward. One message I got from Freight Driven Investor last year was the concept of stewardship. That God has blessed you means that you're a steward. You're a steward today. You're a steward forever. And how do you use that money? And what God showed me is the concept of waste. That so many first-generation wealthy people waste money, especially in communities where there's been deprivation. So they want to spend money building houses and cars and ensuring that their children don't suffer, quote-unquote, so they don't let their children understand how to work and how to build resilience. And so the second and third generation destroys that wealth. So what I heard from God clearly, and which is translates into the wealth for impact, is where you are, you can structure your giving. So even Mezo and I have started up a family foundation. It's called Muna. And Muna means me and you. And it's actually our names, Mezu, Udenna, Ndidi, and Amara. Me, my husband, and our two children. And we structured our giving so that all the initiatives we support in the village, the number of people on health insurance, the houses or the water or whatever, we're providing the education we provide for like 20 family members for generations to come, that funding will continue because we have an endowment and it's a very tiny foundation, but we've decided to structure our giving and to engage our children in that giving so that every year through the endowment, we can do more. And the principle stays solid and it's the interest that's generated that allows us to continue to exert influence in communities and steward the little that God has given us to ensure that the good work that we've started doesn't die with us, but it continues for generations to come. And that's where that stewardship that I heard so loud and clear from so many of the speakers uh, comes in. So this is a podcast about Africa, and it really is by at least one African, and then four Africans. We're going to be telling African stories uniquely. There's going to be some amount of our faith-driven entrepreneur audience from different regions of the world that I expect and hope will tune in. You talk about the concept of investing in Africa and also changing narratives. We're going to be spending much of our time, of course, interviewing folks in Africa talking about their story. But as we set that up, help us to set up the foundation about thinking about investing in Africa before we bring some of those stories online over the course of the next many, many, many weeks. Can somebody that's coming over from one of our other programs and is interested in Africa, what does it look like to invest in Africa? Can you do that? You talk about all these different organizations you're on the boards of. You talk about the setting up of local 501c3s, more accountability. One of the things I heard from what you said is that only 9% of the money ends up getting on, on the African continent. But maybe some people in other regions think, well, I need to have all this oversight. And obviously, that's incredibly inefficient. I think you'd suggest that it is possible to invest directly in Africa, getting 100% of the resources over there, that you can do that in giving but you can also do that investing. Give us a flyover of how that might happen as somebody who's not in the African continent, where again, as you, to your point, most of the money that comes in for donations and investing comes from the continent already. 
But if somebody's not on the continent right now, wants to get involved in the story that God is weaving, what does it look like to give better on the continent or to invest well on the continent? The great thing, uh, Henry, is that there are so many platforms for investing in the continent, whether you're doing it from a philanthropic lens or from an investor lens. Just like in the U.S., you have the VC world, the venture capital, the angel networks in almost every city on the continent. There are VC firms, there are search funds, there are private equity funds. We have our capital markets. So from the very basic all the way to more sophisticated capital markets, you can come in directly as an investor. And I'll assure you that many of our stock exchanges have done much better than the stock exchanges in the rest of the world, even at that end. But from a private equity perspective, from a VC perspective, they have very trusted funds that have investors from across the world, both high net worth individuals, fund of funds, development institutions, et cetera, investing directly in them that have done extremely well. We've also seen individuals come in as angels, right? Or as individual investors into existing organizations. Now, it depends on your appetite for risk, your industry of interest, your country of interest, and the amount of money you have to give. And that determines your entry point. Now, from the philanthropic perspective, there's a whole range of platforms for giving. I'm part of the Africa Philanthropy Forum. We're actually just about to launch a portal where you can come in and search by sector of interest, by amount of money, by country to determine which organization you want to fund. And just like you have GuideStar that has the annual reports and the vetting that's done, we're doing all of that so that it makes it easy for you to identify which philanthropic venture you want to support directly. Many of these philanthropic ventures also have 501c3 equivalency. They've been vetted by other funders and they're worthy of support. So I would say that Africa is ready for your investment. They are trusted partners on the ground. We are happy to connect you with them. So please keep an open mind and be ready for what God can do with you and through you in each of these countries and in very exciting sectors like telecoms, like media, logistics, agriculture and food, obviously education, healthcare, and the list goes on. Indeed, there's a big transition going on across the continent where the elderly generation who have political and economic power are being challenged, I guess, by a younger generation who have new ideas and fresh ways that they want to see the continent move forward. How do you see that transition taking place and what role as Christians in the marketplace can we play to support the emergence of new leadership and new ideas? Well, Ruben, I'm really excited about this trend. I think many of our old leaders need to get out of the way and make room for this new generation. There are a couple of things we need to do, though. Number one is we need to support and strengthen more democratic institutions on the continent. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a friend about this issue the other day to say that oftentimes we don't see investors or philanthropists supporting the democratic movement or the emergence of strong democratic institutions, we need those clearly. And we're seeing a lot of African philanthropists gain interest in this area. The second is that we need to groom our young leaders who have demonstrated interest in political work. Through Leap Africa, we've been doing this for the last 20 years. We need more partnerships to groom our young people across the board to ensure that we have young people who are not only dynamic, creative, but young people who have the fear of God and who have integrity. It's really important that we have the right people in these right roles. 
And number three, we need to continue to empower them. And we saw this in the Nigerian context. You know, we saw young people during the NSARS movement raising unprecedented amounts of money in the country, driving a movement, protesting. It was so exciting, right? They were even using, you know, cryptocurrency. And every day they were generating millions of dollars in funds and revenue for their movement. But the truth is that also needs to be guided and structured through partnerships with the right nonprofit, private sector, and civil society organizations. And finally, for me, the media has a critical role to play in amplifying the voices of those who are credible and want to stand and holding them accountable when they do get in office and when we do shape policy to ensure that while they're there, they do the right thing. We're seeing such exciting political shifts globally, especially where young people take office. I just recently saw in Latin America, a 35-year-old becoming president. So those movements are very exciting. We need to support our young people and the elderly have a place around providing wisdom, support, coaching, but they should really get out of the way. I've moved into the elderly category and I'm getting out of the way for the next generation to take ownership and to take leadership. So this has been awesome. I'm so much looking forward to the stories that we're going to be telling. And I know the lineup of guests that we have as we roll this out that are going to be able to exemplify all of these different themes we're talking about. We're going to be talking about innovation. We're going to be talking about great philanthropists. We're going to be talking about with mostly entrepreneurs that are out there making it happen right now, who are innovating, who are creating, who are scaling, who are also struggling though, and struggling with what does success look like? What does failure look like? And so this is going to be a program that's going to be able to uncover the stories of African entrepreneurs in a way that the rest of the world will see a changed narrative from the one that maybe that they had subscribed to, but also hopefully be this program that can be an inspiration and encouragement to the people on the continent. I've been very drawn Africa and the beauty of it. Four years ago, I went back to East Africa for the first time in 30 years. So I'm dating myself a little bit. I also got to own some of my own cultural narrative, but I also want to own it for some of Ruben's too. Ruben talked about you too and Bob Geldof, which many of our African audience won't know who they are. But there had been this perspective that folks from the West needed to come in and do music concerts for the benefit of Africa. And Bob Geldof famously put together Live Aid and U2 was very good on that. And Ruben is a great faithful Irishman living in the UK. But I remember that I actually went to Africa first during the Live Aid concert. When Live Aid happened, I was in Africa. That was the last time I had been in East Africa. When I came back and I saw what had changed in Kenya, I was blown away. The vibrancy just the innovation, the scale, the number of businesses that have been launched. It was just so incredibly impressive. And I was just drawn into that. And yet it had lost none of the beauty of the smiles and just the community and the welcoming that I'd felt also 30 years before. And I just, I felt that God called me into that. So we're going to call some of other folks from the West into it, but this is really a program for Africans, by Africans, with Ndidi's leadership on this. One of the things we do, though, in everything we do at Faith Driven Entrepreneur is we always try to bring it back to God and His Word and His love for us. So, Ndidi, one of the things, of course, you and I will ask our guests as they come on is, what are they hearing from God through His Word Something recently, maybe it's today, maybe it's this week, but something that they feel that God is speaking to them. Because this, at the core of this, is about a God who loves us so much, who sent his son to die for us on an individual basis that is speaking to us and that is accessible 
to us through our entrepreneurial journey. He was always there to speak to us through his word and through prayer. And Diddy, what are you hearing that God is speaking to you about? Thank you, Henry. There are lots of things God is speaking to me about, (laughs) but I would pick one. And I'd say, you know what? It's an interesting time in the world right now. Really interesting, difficult on many fronts. And, you know, it's not lost on us, the Ukraine-Russia crisis. And it seems far away, but it affects all of us, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I was just writing an op-ed about this crisis because from an agriculture and food perspective, the wheat sector, Ukraine supply, Ukraine and Russia supply 25% of the world's wheat. Egypt is the largest importer of this wheat. Many African countries do not grow wheat. And we're dependent on the rest of the world for wheat because of our climate, right? Russia also contributes 13% of the world's fertilizer. And looking at all of this, you know, I was thinking to myself, what does it teach us about what we should be doing at this time? The first message I hear from God loud and clear is that we have to have a Caleb vision. And what do I mean by a Caleb vision? You know, they spent 10 spies, right? And they came back with different reports. And the Caleb vision is where you see God and what he's doing using the eyes of faith. Caleb saw what God could do in a difficult time. He saw possibilities. And so God has called us and called me to have a Caleb vision that while people see giants in the land, where they see problems, where they see obstacles, I see hope, I see promise, I see a bright future. So that's the first message. The second is the importance of innovation and homegrown solutions to solve problems. So yes, there's a wheat shortage in the world. It's going to drive up bread prices, but we have alternatives to wheat. We have cassava flour. You know, we have alternatives to chemical fertilizer. We have homegrown innovations, right? We have organic fertilizer. What can we do during these periods of stress and strain to innovate, come up with homegrown solutions that can support our ecosystems, but also be useful for the world? That mindset shift is what God is telling me. See the possibilities, people of God, have a Caleb vision, innovate, use this period of crisis to invest in homegrown solutions for your society and for the world. And that shift has to happen in our mind first, in our actions, and every single day as we wake up and we renew our mind and we ask God for strength and the courage to face the giants, we are taking on those battles. And for me, it's a daily struggle. And I tell people this daily struggle, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking for you. And getting through each day and getting those milestones accomplished and seeing God work through us because we're humble, we're available, and we have the right mindset, we can overcome. And we will, as people of God, overcome. And so that's my message. That's what God says to me every day. That's how I stay positive and stay grounded. And my brothers and sisters, we can overcome in spite of the crisis. Indeed. Caleb Vision, super motivating. And Diddy, I'm so excited to do this with you. Thank you for your commitment, for your time, for your leadership. God bless you. Looking forward to the next episode. Ruben, thank you for being with us. Ruben, any parting comments from you? 
Well, I think it's just interesting. We are moving from an era which maybe Africa was defined by you two and Bob Geldof to one where Africa is defined by Wizkid and Burner Boy and Debange. Um, so, Henry, we'll need to update your musical tastes and get you into the latest uh, music <laughs> yeah. coming out of Nigeria. Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. We have great music. Great music for the world. Thank you so much, Ruben. Thank you, Henry. God bless Thank you, you all. Indeed. Thank you, Ruben. Till next time. We are grateful for the opportunity to serve the community and see listeners tune in from over 100 countries. Entrepreneurship is often a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. The best way to stay connected is to join a foundation group with other faith-driven entrepreneurs like yourself. There's no cost, no catch, in person or online. You can meet an hour a week with your peers from your backyard across the continent or on the other side of the world. You can also stay connected by signing up for our monthly newsletter at africa.faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. All this is made possible with the special help of all our friends. Thanks to the volunteers leading entrepreneur groups and watch parties to spark this movement in your city and country. We are grateful for you and hope you'll continue to share this with friends.